Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Series, but as you, you, you know, the driving theme, as I've said, throughout this time is that there was a, a, a group of believers who was struggling in their faith. Anybody ever struggled in their faith before? Facing doubt, facing difficulty, facing unanswered prayers, facing persecution, and they were ready to give up. Many of them were ready to, to say, I, I don't know if Christianity, if this thing is for me, I, I, I'm going to go back and maybe I'll go back to Judaism, I'll go back to the formalism, I'll go back to what I know. And they were losing faith. And the writer of Hebrews says, writing to them to encourage them not to give up. That there is an anchor for their faith that is found in Jesus Christ. And there's a passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 12 starting in verse 18, after a culmination that has led up to a lot of practical wisdom. Boom, 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 boom. A lot of practical things. And it seems as if the writer of Hebrews all of a sudden just takes this detour. And you think, what does this have to do with what you've been telling us about? It just kind of takes this detour. And and to understand it, we've got to go back to Act 1, which is the Old Testament, which he's done all the way along because he's writing primarily to Jewish believers, believers who were a part of Judaism who have come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And now we're thinking of going back. And he's saying, let me help you connect the dots and provide an anchor for your faith. And so starting in verse 18 comes this passage of Scripture that seems a bit like a detour. And so let's jump into it for a moment. And it says this, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire, darkness and gloom and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given if If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Let me pause for a moment. This is Mount Sinai. You've got to go back to what happened in the book of Exodus after uh, God had set the Israelites free from their slavery and captivity in Egypt and he brought them out into the wilderness and he, he brings them before this mountain and the mountain has, is, is filled with thunder and smoke and lightning and trembling and as the voice of God speaks, it's a terrifying experience. Terrifying. Hang on to that for a moment. Mount Sinai. And then you see the little conjunction word, but. But you, so that's what it was like, but you have come where? To Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. I love that. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. 
Mount Zion contrasted with Mount Sinai. And really what we have is two cities. In fact, we're given in, in, throughout the book of Hebrews, one of the, the things that, one of the images that we see in other parts as well is this searching for a city. That the Israelite people had this idea inside of them that really was birthed when, when God had spoken to Abraham about leaving the land that he knew for a land that he didn't know because he was going to give him that land and he was going to give it to his descendants and there was going to be a land and there was going to be a city and there was going to be a place for them. How many of you know we're all looking for a place? We're all looking for a city. And there was this, this city is searching for a kingdom. In referencing Abraham and his faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 10, the writer says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder was God. And then a few verses later in talking about others who had hung on to faith, again, an anchor for your faith, those wanting to drift back in this hall of faith passage in verse 14, for people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of a land from which they'd gone out, they would they have had to have an opportunity to return, but as it is, they desire, look at this language, a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared for them a city. A city. What does a city represent? What is it about a, a city? Well, you have to understand the metaphor of a city to these people represented a place of safety, a place of security, a place of permanence, a place of prosperity. When you think about the Israelites who uh, at one time were simply tent makers and nomads and shepherds, not having a, a country that was their own, living in the land of Canaan, and then famine comes, and they go and they follow God's plan of sending Joseph on ahead, and they end up in Egypt in captivity, but now they've been set free 400 years later, and they've been wandering in the wilderness, and they've been promised something. They've been promised a country. They've been promised a city. They've been promised a place of permanence, no longer being a nomad going here and going there and wandering with no place to call home and you have this image in your head of this desire and so what really throughout the Old Testament what their hope centered on was a city the city of Jerusalem Jeru Salem the city Salem peace the city of peace and friends ultimately if we're honest, all of us are on a journey and a search, searching for peace, searching for a place of, of security, a place of safety, a place of stability, of permanence, a place to call home. And that's what the writer is saying. You're, 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 you're feeling like you're drifting. You're wanting to go back to what you know. But let me tell you about what you know. Let me tell you about what you know. Let me ask you a question about your city. Is your, what is your city? What is your city? And is it shakable? What is your city? And is it shakable? 
In fact, I think that oftentimes when we look for security, if we compare a city to a place of security, of safety, of peace, we're on this journey, but sometimes the things that we put our hope in, the things that we trust in, the things that we try to earn degrees, the things that we try to, to, to build when we're building a, a business or when we're working really hard to build a bank account or the things that we try to do to have a, a nice home that I can retire in or a, or, or a a nice retirement fund or whatever I can do is really to build a place where we have a, a something that, that we can hang on to that provides a place of safety and security. But the question is, is that a city that cannot be shaken? The truth is, is oftentimes those things can be shaken. God shakes things up. Hebrews 12, 26, in this same passage, says this, at the, time of his at the time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens. Has anybody ever known that God is in the shaking business? God shakes things up. We, we live in a world where things get shaken up. And I'm not talking about shaking up a two liter of Mountain Dew. An earthquake can shake things up and the foundations can begin to shake. And without the proper foundation, things can begin to fall apart. All around us, there is a shaking. There is an economy that is up and down, up and down. There is inflation that might cause panic when you lose your job or when you get laid off. There is a shaking that goes on. When you suddenly don't feel well and you go for a scan and you sit in that doctor's office and all of a sudden you hear about a diagnosis you didn't expect, I'm going to tell you something, that's a shaking that goes on in your life. When you haven't expected and there's a death of a loved one or a friend or someone close, I want to tell you there's a shaking that goes on sometimes in our lives. But where is our hope? Where is our hope? Hebrews 12, 19 says, for our God is a consuming fire. Friends, God is a consuming fire. In fact, this is a common image. What does this mean? Well, one day we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And 1 Corinthians 3, 13 through 15 tells us each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work it is. Each one of us have done. If the work anyone has built on is a, uh, has a foundation that survives, or uh, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though he will be saved by only through fire. The, the passage of Scripture lets us know that, that not only is there a shaking, but, but there is also a fire that consumes that which is not eternal, that which does not last. Friends, the Bible says that on that final day, God is going to shake the earth, and he's going to come with a purifying fire. And the question is, in the pursuits that you've had, in the city that you're searching, in the hope that you have for peace and prosperity and security, is that a city that can be shaken or is your foundation on a city that cannot be shaken? Will it burn up or will it, will it last? Some of you are facing some shaking right now. You don't understand what God's doing. 
You don't understand the testing that's going on. You're, you're experiencing the shaking. Can I encourage you that the shaking is God's mercy? Because God doesn't want us holding on to anything that is temporary in this life that can burn up. He'd rather us learn how to let go of those things and take a hold of a city whose foundations cannot be shaken. To come to a, a different kind of, uh, of city. You see, the only foundation that will truly survive that final shaking are those who have their faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I ask, what is your city and is it shakable? I want to encourage you today, is your city Jesus? Because here's what's happening. When your city is Jesus, and that's where the writer starts talking about Moses. You say, let's get back to that Moses thing. Let's get back to that, that Mount Sinai thing. You alluded to it earlier. What is, that, what is that Mount Sinai thing all about? He's not on a tangent, friends. He's helping us to see something. And what we see is as they come to the mountain, the passage here is clear. There was a warning. Don't, don't touch that mountain. Don't touch that mountain. Don't, if any beast touch that mountain that's unholy. That mountain's the holiness of God. It will die. Don't touch that mountain. Here's what we have in the Old Testament. We have a picture that a sinful people can't be in the presence of a holy God. A sinful people can't be in the presence of a holy God. You, you can't go near that mountain. And there was, there was not a mediator at that point. There was a sinful people, although they had consecrated themselves, the very voice of God shaking that mountain from the heaven said, this is an unapproachable place. You cannot come here when you're sinful or you will die. There was a shakeableness. So there's the dilemma. The dilemma is in this, this time of, of shaking in the Old Testament. How do, we find pre how, do we, how do we find a permanence and joy and fulfillment? How do we come into the presence of God? How do, we, how do we know him? They lived in a state of fear. Maybe we haven't been good enough. Maybe what we've done hasn't pleased God enough. Maybe we haven't done enough. Anybody ever felt that before? Whether you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus or not, I think oftentimes when it comes to our relationship with God, we oftentimes contrast it and compare it to what we've done. Have I done enough? Am I right enough? Am I holy enough? Have I, have, have I done this? What, what are the merits that get me into heaven? And the Old Testament is clear. The mountain of Mount Sinai is clear. That city is clear. And that is this. A sinful people can never come into the presence of God. Oh, but the writer didn't stop there. The writer didn't stop there. He didn't stop with Mount Sinai. He, he said, but. <laughs> but you have come to Mount Zion. What is Mount Zion? It's the city of the living God. It's the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of peace. It is the numeral angels in festal gathering and the assembly of the firstborn who were enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, the, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. How are they made perfect? And to Jesus by the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Let me tell you something. There is a city that is unshakable and that city is the city of Jesus. Christ. 
It's the city that is found in a faith in Jesus. You see, on that day when Jesus was crucified, it was similar to Mount Sinai. There was a, an earthquake that had come on that little mountain when Jesus was up there. And he said, it is finished. There was a shaking that went on. There was a, a darkness that came. There was a, a thunder and a lightning that came. And what had happened, what had happened, what had went on at that time, it was Jesus absorbing all of us of our sin, the vengeance of God, the judgment of God, Jesus taking upon himself, taking it upon himself. In that moment, there was that shaking that was going on, absorbing the judgment of a sinful people in the presence of a holy God, so that now when you and I approach God, we don't have to do so in fear, but we can do so with a new confidence and with a new security that's found in the presence of Jesus, that God does not reject me when I place my faith in Jesus. When he forgives me of my sin, he took my sin, he gave me his righteousness, and now in that faith, in that direction, uh, in that declaration of faith, I have a foundation that cannot be shaken. The pursuit in this world and the pursuits to find peace in your life and security in your life will leave you shaken. It will leave you in unstable ground. But when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, when he becomes your city, your place of security, and your place of peace, you have a hope that cannot be shaken. An unshakable foundation. Verse 24 mentions the blood of Abel. <laughs> Cain killed his brother Abel, right? And when he did so, God came and said, where's your brother? He tried to play dumb. Am I my brother's keeper? God says, oh, his blood is crying out to me. His blood is crying out to me for justice. His blood is crying out to me for vengeance. For the scripture says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Oh, but because of our sin, Jesus Christ was crucified. But oh, his blood does not speak vengeance. His blood speaks a better word. His blood speaks forgiveness. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You see, this city is given as a gift. It's purchased by Christ. It's not a reward for our merits. It's not something that we earn. But it is the only way to secure this city is to by humbling ourselves and admitting we are a sinful people in need of a Savior. I'm in need of forgiveness. I can't do it on my own. If you can't admit that you're a sinner, then you can't receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people that want in religion to come to Jesus and want a place of safety without ever humbling themselves and admitting their sin and admitting that an unholy people can't come in the presence of a holy God. Let me tell you something. If you do not admit that you're a sinner, then you are not saved. I don't care how many days you go to church or how many preachers you watch on TV or YouTube. If we can't come to Jesus and say, I have a sin problem that keeps me from the presence of God, then we can't receive his forgiveness and salvation. Oh, but if we can, Jesus, my hope is in you. He gives us a security and a peace and a hope, the city of our God. Let me close with three benefits. 
really quickly of this city. Verse 28, 12, 28, therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence and awe. You know what this city promises us? Security. You have a secure place. The city that cannot be shaken. Why? Because the foundation is in the unchangeableness of God. That Hebrews chapter 13 will, will speak out that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unshakable. When you put your hope in Jesus, you, found an, you find an unshakable foundation. You find a place of security. Secondly, you find unbounded joy. Unbounded joy. I want to go back to verse 22 because it starts with that. But you've come to Mount Zion. Well, what does Mount Zion do? It says the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And then here it is. The place where there are innumerable angels in, here's this, festal gathering. This fall, I've been to a lot of weddings. There's a lot of festivities. But I'm going to tell you, they don't compare to the one day when we, the bride of Christ, get united to our bridegroom and enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, there's an unbounded joy! Some of us need to say, the commentators say, this is like angels in party clothes. Seriously, there was one commentator. That's how he described festal gathering, innumerable angels. It's angels in party clothes. Are you ready to party? Is anybody ready to party? I'm ready for a little bit of joy. There's a whole lot of down, a whole lot of, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to be in a place of a festal gathering. Oh, and then finally, a spirit of worship. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. I... I What's it going to be like when the veil is lifted and, 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 and when we see our king of kings face to face? I know that sometimes when we're going through things, we go, or we see things that don't make sense, we go, I got a lot of questions for God when I get up there. I, I got some things I'm going to ask him. Can I? Can I be honest with you? And, and I don't want to take away that, that sense of I don't understand and I want God to explain. But can I, can I tell you what's going to happen? That day, when you actually get in the presence of the king, you aren't going to be thinking about the questions you have for God. You're going to go, whoa! Woe is me. You're going to shout like Isaiah, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips, woe is me. Anytime any, an angel showed up or the presence of God showed up, people fell face down. They shook in fear. There's an awe and a reverence that we have forgotten about God. And one day as we get there, we're going to see face to face what we've been dreaming of, hoping, trying to figure out something in the languages of this life to describe something that is eternal, that is way beyond anything we can imagine. And we're going to go, wow, wow. And we're going to fall face down and worship. And yet at the same time, we need to remember that as awesome as God is, he is personal. He describes himself as our father and we as his children. One of the best definitions of worship I came across is that worship is awe mixed with intimacy. Oh. We begin with, oh, and then we, 
we hear the still small voice beckoning us to draw in close to his presence. Come on in close. Wow, my daddy's big. Wow, my daddy's awesome. Whoa. And then my daddy looks at me, and I see the kindness in his eyes and the invitation in his voice, and I run, and I wrap my arms around my daddy, and he wraps me up in his arms, and we just worship. Oh, friends, what city are you, what city are you living for? What city are you journeying towards? Are you journeying towards a a city that moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal? Are you, are you hanging on to a city whose foundations are unshakable? Mm, Tim Keller puts it this way. Jesus is the only God whom when you find him will satisfy you. And when you fail him, he will forgive you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.